0: Let's uh, focus. So we've been talking about accepting Shabbos and accepting Shabbos a few minutes before, uh, eighteen minutes, two minutes. Uh, but we also know there's something typically called early Shabbos. Or even if it's not early Shabbos, sometimes a person will accept Shabbos earlier. So, for example, a woman may light Shabbos candles and without any making any stipulations, that is her acceptance of Shabbos. The question is what happens after she lights the candles and then remembers, whoops, I forgot to plug in the cholent. I forgot to turn this light off. I forgot to turn this light on. Is she allowed to go ahead and ask someone else to go do malacha for her? And similarly, any situation where someone accepts early Shabbos, so for example, it's in the summer, and I dive in at 7 o'clock, and then I'm going home, and we remember we forgot something, and I turn to my neighbor who davens at uh, the, you know, the late time at 9 o'clock, 8.30, whatever it is, can I ask him to go ahead and do something for me? So it says the, the Rashba, say, on page 161, source 35, the Rashba is one of the Rishonim, one of the... Medieval commentators, so he writes, So he infers from this. It's a Gemara. We're not going to get into the whole back and forth of the Gemara, but it's a Gemara in Shabbos, and he infers from here, Shabbos, Kodem A Jew who accepts Shabbos before it gets dark, mutter lomar li is permitted to tell another Jew. Lassos lo melacha polonis, instruct him, he's allowed to instruct him to do a specific uh, activity, melacha, something which would otherwise be forbidden. Since it is done per, in a permissive fashion to the one who is doing it. So the Rashba says very clearly if uh, you lick candles, I daven, whatever it is, I accept a Shabbos, but it's not yet Shabbos for my friend, I'm allowed to ask him or her to go do melacha, no problem whatsoever. Okay? So it comes up, comes up all the time. Okay? And this is codified in the Shulchan Arach. The Shulchan Arach writes, and source 36, Geish Omrim, there are those who say, Shemisha Kibel al Shabbos, Shekha a person who accepts Shabbos before it's dark, Mutter le- Lomer Liesrael Havero, Lasus is permitted to tell his friend to do work. Um, okay, and it says, th- source 37, the Mishnah Brewer writes, motor, Since it is totally permissible for the friend to do work, in amira there's no prohibition of telling someone to perform Malacha because it's totally permitted for that person. Okay, so that's the bottom line. The bottom line is that even if you accepted Shabbos early, you could turn to someone else, even in your household, is what we'll get into your household in a moment, uh, but generally, certainly, someone outside of your household, you accept Shabbos early, you could ask someone else to do some Malacha, some work for you. If
1: it's a non-jew...
0: Then it's for sure.
1: Shabbos, but
0: then there's no Amir uh, Amir lenachri. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Can I just, one
1: more question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This actually, happened to us once. In pot, yeah.
0: is that a case of That's complicated. <laughs> so, so it's it's a little complicated. We'll we'll, we'll come back. Yeah. So I mean, there might be what to rely upon in such a case. That's a short answer. <laughs> <laughs> for a longer discussion. Well, hopefully, come back to that topic. Okay, um, so let's let's get a little bit into. We're gonna just do a little bit of this a mincha on preceding Shabbos, right? Um, if you turn to page one sixty three, page one sixty three. Uh, so we saw already earlier that a person should. Um, where should we start? So let's just see. Um, uh, I'm just trying to figure out what's what's the most relevant for us over here. Um, let, let's go to the bottom of page 163. Okay, so w- w- what's discussed over here is as follows. We saw, and so we've been discussing until now a person should accept Shabbos a little bit before Shabbos begins, right? Two minutes, 18 minutes, whatever it is. Now, once I accept Shabbos, the question then is, should I be davening mincha, after I accept Shabbos, right? Meaning, Mincha, why do we, mincha is part of Friday davening, right? Um, so the, the challenge is like this. If I accept Shabbos, what about davening Mincha after I accept Shabbos? That, that's the question on the table. So let, let's see the different sources on this. Let's see. We'll start with source 41 from the Shemir Shabbos. So he writes, if he's here, he's speaking to a man, okay, and the re- or someone who da- not not someone who lights candles, and that's what I'm trying to say because uh, we'll see lighting candles. We'll have to we'll unpack a little bit in a moment. If he, if he writes like this, source 41. If him if someone sees uh, again, bottom page 163. Shatzibur asil mincha rakim Let's say a person recognizes that the congregation is going to finish davening already past dark. Past the time that it's already night, past the time it's already sunset. Once it's sunset, it's already Shabbos, right? And so what we say earlier, you want to finish, you want to be able to accept Shabbos a little bit before Shabbos begins, right? You see the dilemma? In other words, I come to Shul, and they start davening mincha, uh, and I know they're going to finish, mincha is a Friday activity, right? They're going to finish mincha when it's already sunset. That means by the time we finish mincha, I won't have any time to add on any extra Shabbos, so, what should I do in such a case? So, he writes, He says it's better to daven without a minion, okay, to accept Shabbos before Shabbos. It's more important to do so so that you accept Shabbos early and therefore don't lose out in the accepting of Shabbos early, right? In other words, like this I'm walking to Shul, right? Where I go, I'm part of a minion, and I realize this minion is going to finish Mincha, which is a Friday activity. While it is, uh, while it's, well, and by the time they finish, it's going to be sunset, which would mean by the time I finish Mincha and I want to accept extra Shabbos on me, it's going to be too late. So I have two options in front of me. One, daven with a minion and miss out on Tosef a Shabbos. B, daven by myself and accept Shabbos early. So what's more important? Davening with a minion or accepting Shabbos early? So he writes, very logically, right, is Shabbos, adding on to Shabbos is biblical, as we saw, at least according to many. Diving with a minion is rabbinic. And therefore he writes, better to daven early, better to daven early uh, by myself, and then I'm able to start Shabbos a little bit early, than to go ahead and, uh, than to go ahead and daven with the minion and miss out on accepting Shabbos. Let's keep on reading and we'll get some questions. So turn the page to Chaz This is from Avadia Yosef on page, uh, on page uh, 164, source 43. He has a different approach. He writes like this: Venira, it appears. Shema Acher Lisbal Mincha BeErav Shabbos. Those who delay uh, dawning Mincha Erav Shabbos af ha-mincha Achar Shkiyah. Even if they finish dawning Mincha after sunset, which in many shows takes place. In other words, in our show, we start dawning Mincha five minutes after candle lighting. So by the time we finish Mincha, it's really it's it's past sunset. It's more or less at sunset time. Which means that by the time we finish Mincha. Where is our Tosephus Shabbos? Right? That's the, the, the big Based on everything we've, we've been learning, it would seem that I'm missing out in adding on to Shabbos. He says, no. Lobitel mitzvah Tosephus. He says, a person is not negating the mitzvah of adding. Why? Kivan she Shabbos Malacha. Since once I come to Shul, I'm not doing any more work. Once a person starts telling Mincha, they're not doing any work. Vafilim Even if a person wants, they could go ahead and accept upon themselves. I'm saying Shabbos should start. Uh, I could say explicitly, I'm accepting Shabbos in regards to not doing work, but not in regards to the fact that it's considered like Shabbos. Because if it's fully considered like Shabbos, then what should happen? I shouldn't be able to dive in Mincha. Because Mincha is a Friday activity, not a Shabbos activity. He says, Shakivan mitzvah Tosefes, since the main focus of adding on, he, Shvisamalacha, Surubishavis, is the idea of adding on to not work. Ain't Twila Mincha, Mafkia, Therefore, Downing Mincha doesn't get in the way of Tosefes. Okay, so basically, um, if you turn, let's just turn the page one more source, page 165, source forty four. I recognize not so relevant to everyone. Uh, not some people here down mincha, some people don't. Um, look at page um, 165, source 44, where it gets bold, the widespread custom is, if it's getting close to sunset, they accept extra Shabbos with words, or even in their thoughts, and then they daven Mincha. So basically what the, the, the consensus over here is, and this is the normative Minha, is as follows. Um, I don't know if some of you dive Mincha, some of you don't dive Mincha. Here's the deal. If you, so a question comes up, let's, let's, I'm going to frame this in a, in a, in a more uh, female-centric way, if I may. Okay, you light Shabbos candles. You've accepted Shabbos. Can you daven mincha at that point or not, right? On the one hand, once it's Shabbos, that means it's Saturday. Mincha takes place on Friday, right? So are you allowed to be davening mincha at this point? Yes or no? So basically what he's telling us is that you could, there's this notion of accepting Shabbos only in regards to Malacha only in regards to work, to the abstaining of work. And therefore, I can light my Shabbos, you can light your Shabbos candles, and you could do so in the context of, I'm, I'm abstain- and, and the idea of lighting Shabbos candles is I'm accepting upon myself not to do work, I'm accepting myself, my, on myself Shabbos early, but I'm, I'm, I'm bifurcating Shabbos, right? I'm saying, I'm not, it's not fully Shabbos, that it's already Saturday, it's already the seventh day of the week. I'm accepting Shabbos early in the sense that I'm not going to do Melacha, and therefore, have I fulfilled the mitzvah of Tosef and Shabbos, of adding Shabbos? Check. Right? But I haven't full accepted Shabbos in the sense that it's already Saturday, and therefore, can I still da Mincha? Check, right? So you could like candles, if you da Mincha, you could like candles and accept Shabbos in that re- And in doing so, you're accepting Shabbos. To, to the prohibit malacha, you're no longer able to work, but you can still do mincha. Similarly, uh, for, for those of us who go to shul and daven close to sunset, the post can say, as long as I am uh, I, I, I'm not working, so I'm, I'm still davening mincha, and I'm davening mincha, but by the time I finish mincha, it's already sunset. So I never really, after mincha, I didn't have time to accept Shabbos early, but the point is, since I stopped doing malacha, I stopped doing work, once I started, dabbing, once I came to shul, I've also fulfilled Tosef Shabbos. So the bottom line is, you don't really have to adjust your behavior, but we are learning over here that, uh, that it would seem that, uh, you know, are you able to fill Tzavah to Shabbos? I mean, the answer is yes, because you could accept Shabbos in a bifurcated way in the sense that I'm accepting Shabbos to not do malacha, not do work, but not accepting Shabbos to make it already the seventh day of the week. Yes. So A, you have to have it in mind when you're taking Shabbos, that you're not only taking up, or the fact that it It's implicit. It's implicit, yeah. second
1: thing is, early Shabbos, Hmm. Yeah, but let's say you do make it. The summer you
0: do. The summer I'm so, sure you do.
1: So you've
0: accepted Shabbos to not do Malacha, and then you come home and they you have to accept again the, the second aspect
1: of Shabbos later. No, it, first or of all,
0: it, kick, it kicks. Yeah, it kicks in. It kicks in. It kicks in. Okay, okay? Make sense. But it does say vidya about. <clears throat> yeah, 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 yeah. They're, they're, uh, true, correct, and I will tell you the the normative minhag is 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 not right. even vidya is is. is We'll call it a bidyavada. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That certainly is the, the normative menag. Um, and certainly what's your life on. So, yeah, in theory, if right, so in other words, in theory, in theory, you should, if you can, set up a scenario where you're downing mincha earlier, okay? So I'm going to not speak on your behalf, but I imagine your house is as crazy and upside down as every other house, and therefore, if you are someone of davening mincha, um, good luck. If you could daven mincha before you light candles, amazing, right? But, but very often, like, it's just it's just not practical, and, and, and in theory, shuls could and should daven mincha much earlier, but it's a short day. It's a short day. It's very difficult to do so, and so, that is the that is the normative minhag where we're accepting we're accepting Shabbos partially, okay? Questions make sense. Okay, let's now turn to page 172. We're, we're skipping around a little bit, and we're going to have to continue to skip around, because a lot of it's about Davin, Mencha, and Ma'arev. The timing of that, I feel like that's not as, as relevant. Um, the, tip, the normative, uh, you know, normative custom over here is, I don't know, just looking around at our shul, and most shuls, most women are not going to shul on, on Friday night, so I'm not going to get into those halachas. But if you're interested, it uh, gets into discussion about the Daveni, what, what time Davin, Mencha, what time Davin, um, etc. And there's some interesting discussions when it comes to Shabbos um, about the timing of Mencha and marv. I think it's more academic over here, so I'm just going to, with, with unless someone yells right now. No? Okay, let's go further then. Okay, so let's turn to page 172, and this is something we've been kept, on, kept on coming up. Uh, let, let, let's see what, what the sources have to say. And that is, um, is there this notion of accepting Shabbos as a family? Okay, that is, a, that is the question on the table. So page 172, source 55, says the Igris Moshe, says your Moshe Feinstein on page 172. Lichora <speaking in Hebrew> Pashut, it is obvious, he says. She'eina negreras acharav, that a woman does not uh, follow her husband. In other words, he's dealing with a case like this. It's early Shabbos, okay? It's the middle of July. And a husband goes to Shul and Davin's at 7 o'clock, right? And the wife is still running around, getting ready for Shabbos. So she knows that by the time it's 7.25, he has already gotten to uh, lechadodi, finished lechadodi, got to Mizmashir Le'om Shabbos. which for men, that is their acceptance of Shabbos. Does she have to stop? She has to light at that moment? Because she knows that her husband has lit or is she, you know is she, could she do what she wants? Says Ramosha? Yeah, ain't She does not follow him. He's not able. He doesn't have the, the the wherewithal, so to speak, to forbid work on his wife by him accepting Shabbos. Not just implicitly. Let's say some guy. I don't know what he was thinking, but says I'm accepting Shabbos on my whole family. Says your Moshe, you know what does that do? That does nothing. I don't have the ability uh, to accept Shabbos on my family. Each person is supposed to accept Shabbos upon themselves, and therefore there's no. It, it doesn't mean anything. It's meaningless. Says your Moshe, if a husband were to go ahead and say, "I'm accepting Shabbos for my spouse, for my child," doesn't do anything. <laughs> Okay, so he basically says there is a concept in the Torah where where you have to ensure that people who are doing work for you don't do work. So he says maybe there's a possibility that if the work the malacha is being done for his sake, right? So let's think of an example where it's done explicitly for his sake. Most examples I can't think of, but let's say let's say. yeah, do his laundry. Good, fine. It's, but it's for him. It's not like something, meaning it's not pl- plugging the in for the whole family. It's for him. So there, maybe since he's already accepted Shabbos, she would not be able to do so. Turn on the light in his study. Turn the light. Yeah, but it has, would have to be specifically for him. Then maybe he says, Ula, he says, but generally speaking, she does not have to go ahead and light or whatever. You don't have to work in, in, in concert together as one, each person on their own. Not everyone agrees. Not everyone agrees. If you're
1: allowed to ask somebody to
0: yeah, I wonder about that, By remote, why, why that's the case, right? In other words, I'm allowed to ask someone to Malachi. I was wondering the same thing. I'm not sure, I'm not sure why. Yeah. Um, he seems to believe that there's a, there's a unique prohibition uh, that might exist. But again, he says like, it's a possibility. Uh, but yeah, I'm not sure. I, I had the same question. Yeah. Yeah, so I skipped over the whole tzibor piece because it doesn't, you know, there, there's a lot of literature in, in the Shulchan Arach and, and earlier post about this notion of when a congregation accepts Shabbos. And basically what they're referring to is not Baltimore. They're referring to um, the, moder- most, the best application locally, which I can think of, is, is, is Neri Yisraeli. Nei Yisrael lives in their own kind of ham. You know, they're their own place. They're their own little islands, right? And basically, it's not a continuous rest of the community. So there, when they accept Shabbos, that is the congregation accepting Shabbos. It's there, and it's and it's true for the entire. There's like one minion. There's no breakaway minions over there. It just doesn't doesn't happen, right? So basically, it's like the community. So therefore, if they accept Shabbos early, it's Shabbos for the entire place. Right, and you shouldn't be coming into that place. Let's say if they say, let's say they do early Shabbos, you shouldn't be coming into Eretz Yisrael after early Shabbos because that congregation has accepted Shabbos. But and, and so there's a notion in the post when they talk about when a community, when a congregation accepts Shabbos, that has ramifications for the rest of the community, even if they didn't accept Shabbos. So meaning the Gemara says, like let's say let's you know when a community accepts Shabbos, even if you weren't in shul, you accepted Shabbos as well. Nowadays. Does, like, how do you apply that? In other words, I, I walk down, like, like, Baltimore, it's like, there's no congregational minion. It's like, everyone teach their own, right? So basically, I'm coming home from, I'm going to Shoal, you know, I'm coming home from Shoal, uh, you know, after I finish jobbing, people are zipping home on their way back from work, you know, it, it, there's no congregation, and therefore, I kind of, skipped it because it's not so relevant in our, in our, if you live in a very, very small community where there's truly only one minion, um, which defies the famous joke of the, you know, guy who shows up at the island, the two of shoals, and the shoal I don't go to, right? So it's, it's like so rare to have a place where there's really only one minion, and there's not even like another, uh, if you have such a place, then there are ramifications. If they accept Shabbos, you're kind of bound by that. Yes, Elaine? Well, I always question Shomai,
1: because they have on um, Shabbos, they've got the you know, like yeah. in the summer, or any right. They've got all these different minions, right. and right. that's a congregation.
0: But, but, and
1: so you, I, I always would think that they have to, everyone who goes to that shul, because that's a congregation, in my mind, that they should accept Shabbos, this, the time that the whole congregation does I don't understand how they can do a 7 o'clock
0: and 8.15 and 9.35. Because it's just, it's different, meaning, it, it, that's, that's what I'm saying. I mean, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't bind the whole, I mean, the whole setup is, is different. Meaning, when the, when the Gemara and the Postgum talk about a congregation, talking about everyone would always dive in it in one time and one place. We have grown, thank God, or I, I would think. You know, that, that, that's just, that, that's not our reality. That's not our reality. It's the same way that, you know, that, that our communities don't have a single thing, and even in a shul, to have a number of minyanim. That's fine. It doesn't impact the next person. So, yeah, it's, it's okay. It's okay. It doesn't, it doesn't bind them in that way. Yes? It's more relevant to a Moshav. Correct. Correct. When you have, exactly. So there you have, when you really have a sense of community, a Moshav, uh, you know, where it's really, really on their own and they're really, everything is together and every, then, then it would be relevant. I think for our intents and purposes in Baltimore, not so relevant. If you go to such a place, yeah. Just,
1: just out of curiosity, in Neriz are on Shabbat. Do they close the gates?
0: You're not. Uh, you're not I, I'm blank. I don't think they close the gates at all. Um, yeah, I think they leave the gates open. Don't tell like the parents because security is probably not great over there. But um, but but I remember. I remember at times. You know, like you get like yelled at if you pull into the sh- school um, after they've already accepted Chavez. Okay. Okay. In other words, they they you know- for
1: all intents and purposes, the
0: gated community. The Correct. The intent. Correct, correct. They really, you know, they hold by that. Like, you, what are you doing? Like, you're 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 desecrating Shabbos by showing up over there. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, so we saw R' Moshe. Moshe. says that in an individual in a house, one you know one spouse takes on Shabbos doesn't impact the other. However, says the Shevet Alevi, that's your Shmuel Vosner, and, uh, on page one seventy three, source fifty six. He writes la year He says, in my opinion, it appears kalbalah He disagrees. He says that a wife go- does is is connected to her husband, and therefore, if a husband were to take on davening earlier, um, then it takes on then then uh, then it impacts him as well. Okay, and uh, you know whatever. Then we have you know different uh, different opinions. Chazal Yosef. Yosef says one thing, Mordecai says something else. Bottom line is there there is certainly what to rely upon. To not do so in an ideal world, an ideal world, a full family except Shabbos together as one. But it's not to say that you are bound by that and very often it's stressful to do so. So certainly what to rely upon uh, to not do so. And I want to add also for the others in the household, let I, I think we saw this implicitly but not explicitly, when a um, when a woman lights her Shabbos candles in the home, does it impact the rest of the members of the household? I think we saw this already inside. It does not, it does not, uh, unless they wanted to, they have intent that through the light of Mom, it's going to uh, it's going to impact their, their Kabbalah Shabbos. But theoretically, if they don't implicit, you know, imp, you know, don't think so, then they are allowed to still do melacha. So it sometimes comes up, you know, mom will light the Shabbos candles. Whoops, I forgot to do X Y Z. Turns to her child at home, could you do, you know, whatever it is? Again, before sunset, of course, they would be allowed to do so unless they implicitly are thinking. You know, some houses like everyone gathers. Uh, I love these like picture book uh, families. It's not my family, right? Everyone like gathers by the Shabbos candles, and mom's sitting there slowly lighting candles while. Everyone's quiet. Okay, in my family, I don't know where everyone is, and whatever it is, everyone's like still upside down. So, yeah, you know, uh, we try. You try to have everyone accept at the same time, but uh, it's certainly not not obligatory to do so. Yes?
1: in a practical way, you just actually uh, helped me because I always thought it was when they were starting, like
0: starting Kabbalah Shabbat, and not at the end of Kabbalah Shabbat. That's an extra 10 minutes right there. Yeah. Depends how long they sing Kabbalah Shabbat. So, yeah. No, it's certainly it's not the beginning. Not it Maybe it's boy Shabbat. Most say it's Bismar Shalimah Some say it's when they get to the final paragraph of Kabbalah Shabbat. Yeah, We'll take it, right? We'll take it, we'll take it. So again, ideally, ideally, if you can, everyone should accept Shabbos at the same time in a household. Ideally. Very often it's not practical. In that case, everyone to each their own. Everyone is allowed to accept the Shabbos. Again, you have to remember, ideally, we accept, or not ideally, there is a mitzvah of adding on to Shabbos. You really need to make sure at least two minutes before that you're really done with work. You're really, really stop, no matter what. Whoever, whether you're lighting, not lighting, two minutes before is like basically your latest in order to accept Shabbos, because cause there's a mitzvah, there's an actual obligation to accept Shabbos early, okay? And that's for everyone, whether you're lighting, whether you're davening, uh, whatever it is, you should really, it's important to accept Shabbos early on the way in, and also, as we learned, on the way out. On the way out, to also not just like, 5.53, uh, you know, I can make up dollars so I can do nothing, whatever, you know, like that, that whole thing is like, Maybe two minutes. 30 minutes is, it doesn't, it doesn't seem to the minute. to go at the end, right, 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 right. Okay, let's, uh, let's now move on, let's learn a little bit about the sources of Kabbalah Shabbos, um, Oh, wow, one we quickly. Okay, um, did I skip something I wanted to do? No, Mitzah Arab Shabbos. One second, I just want to make sure. I know we're skipping around a little bit. A lot of it's davening oriented. Um, okay, one other thing I'll just mention out loud, and that is that uh, there is a mitzvah to say Shema twice a day. It's, not, uh, it's a time-bound mitzvah, so women are, are technically um, absolved from that mitzvah. They're not obligated in that mitzvah. But I would just point out uh, that it's, it's uh, for you know we, it is it is a, and it is an actual mitzvah to say it, to say it twice a day and therefore when a person accepts Shabbos early it's important that uh, to say Shema certainly for men who are fully obligated to saying Shema to say Shema a second time after the meal or whatever it is um, in order to ensure that they have said Shema after nightfall. Okay, So basically, you're supposed to say Shema twice a day, one during the morning and one at night. Again, because it's time-bound, because as a specific time, women are, uh, women are exempt from this mitzvah. Uh, but for men, it's important that they repeat Shema. Very often, We'll Davin Mariv early on Friday, on Friday night, it's important to repeat it again after nightfall. Okay, fine. Let's just learn a little bit about the history of Kabbalah Shabbos. Um, okay, I think this went a little faster than I anticipated, but that's okay. Um, let's, let's, uh, let's see. So it says the, on page 196... Okay, so what's the source for Kabbalah Shabbos? How old is L'cha, You know, L'cha, Kabbalah Shabbos is like everyone's favorite. Everyone knows Kabbalah Shabbos, Lecha, Dodi, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. It's actually, from a Jewish perspective, I would say it's pretty modern. It's pretty new. It's not, a, it's not, a, it's not an old thing. It does have some old sources, but it really the, the development is really uh, really somewhat relatively new. So the Gemara in Shabbos is where it all begins. And the Gemara tells us, Rav Hanina me'atif, ve'kay apanya demalei Shabsa. That Rav Hanina would wrap himself in his garments and stands on Friday night, Amar, and he would say, let's go out and greet Shabbos the queen. Okay, so he would wrap himself in his cloak. You know, they would wear like these robes back in the day. Again, this is, uh, Rav Hanina lived in Babylon. Uh, they would, he would wrap himself in his cloak on Friday, and he would say, let's go greet the Shabbos queen lavish He would wear. He would put on his special Shabbos garments. For Amar, kala, bowi kala. Come, my bride. Come, my bride. Okay, and then basically, this is the earliest sources that speak about this notion of welcoming Shabbos in some way. Um, and all, all, what we see over there is that they're dressing up in a certain way, in a special way, in order to greet Shabbos. And they use these words, come my bride, come my bride. Uh, this is the earliest sources that we see Shabbos is referred to as a bride. And the idea is that we're welcoming Shabbos like, Sh- and that's what we say, Shabbos Hamalka, Shabbos the queen. Shabbos has this feminine, oftentimes is referred to in the feminine. Um, and there's this notion of welcoming Shabbos like we would welcome a bride um, with a sense of joy, a sense of uh, excitement. And that is the earliest sources that discuss it. However, there's no liturgy that's associated with that. We just see two rabbis went ahead and they dressed up nicely and they said, "Welcome Shabbos." Okay. Years later, years later, um, this goes now. We've tra- you know traveled almost 14, 1,400 years. It's the sixteenth century. So if you look at source eight, Um Maharash Alkavitz, um, Rav Shlomo Alkavitz, uh, Tiken Hapiut Lechadodi. He established. He instituted or wrote the poem called Lechadodi. Right? L'chadodi, that we say, was written in the 16th century by a great kabbalist by the name of Rav Shlomo Alkabitz. Um, how do we know? Well, one of the, one of the reminders or hints that it was written by him is the acrostic. If you look, the, what's the first paragraph of L'chadodi? Shamar v'zachar b'di borachad. It starts with the letter Shin. And then the next paragraph is Likra Elcha, that's a Lamed. And then the next one is Mikdash Melech, Irmeluch, that's a Mem. And then He's Nari Mi'afar Kumi. that's a He's, right? So Shin, Lamed, Mem, He' spells Shlomo. He hid his name, which is pretty common back in the day. Uh, as they would write their poems, they'd put their name in it. So he, he puts his name, Shin, Lamed, Mem, Hey Shlomo, in Lechadodi. And this becomes uh, universal. It spreads from Tzvat and becomes uh, rather. It's uh, He's the only Shlomo. No, no, we know he wrote it. It's not that far back. We know he wrote it. It was well-established that he wrote it. Uh, they did a decent job of codifying things and writing things. Again, this is the era of the Shulchan Aruch. They're already writing things, so, so we knew it was him. It wasn't uh, – we weren't confusing different Shlomos. Uh, but it's interesting. You know, Tzvat was a, a hotbed of, of – of, 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 it, it, I don't mean it in a bad way – like of like Kabbalah and of these new practices that were developing. Some took off and became universal and some didn't. But it was a place where – you know, it's interesting – I just mentioned this parenthetically, uh, many of these people were coming uh, from Spain slash Portugal, right? Many of these people were, were people who were kicked out of uh, those areas based on the inquisitions that were taking place, and they were traveling around, and many of them ended up fall- uh, landing in Svat And Svat, and you know, it, it, was, it, was, it was this collection of people, but it also became, and, and many point out that sometimes in times of significant uh, persecution, there's sometimes a, very often, a, a response that of, of in, in heightened fervor, of like heightened spirituality. It's almost like you would think that there'd be less, there'd be a breakdown, and surely there was, and many people went away from spirituality and from Judaism, but at the same time, you have people responding with a heightened level of, of, of connection, of, 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 you know, of, 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 of service, and the community that lived in spot was certainly one of those places where on the one hand, there was the, you know, terrible, terrible persecution, and what that did, instead of pushing them away from spirituality, it drew them closer and, and, and created much more intensive types of service of God. And this is where the Arizal, the great Kabbalist, comes about, the Shulchan Arach, where Yosef Kara lives there, of Shlomo Alkabitz. You have some of the great thinkers who are pushing the envelope. They're, they're, they're introducing new practices, et cetera, that are taking place there. Um, this, is, this, this is something that, uh, that is going on, and, and somewhat in response to the negativity that's taking place in Spain and Portugal and around the world. Yes, Helene.
1: that just don't do the Kabbalah Shabbat because it's from 14th century and they do stuff,
0: they won't do anything that's new? It's uh, a good question. I, I'm not aware of those who skip it entirely. I remember I was at a I believe it was like Syrian uh, minion. I don't know if I have it exactly right. And they certainly did like a very abbreviated version, like a very different one that we did. Maybe they're like the first and the last or something uh, of, of the Chadodi. But I, I've never been to a show where they skip it entirely. Yemenites, yeah. yeah. There's no way they. There's no way they were saying it initially. They. They didn't have that access. Yeah. Ethiopian, Ethiopian. Ethiopian. yeah, 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 yeah. So communities that were completely separate had no real connection. I. I. I, I don't recall offhand. I've, I've davened some of these but there's no way they would say it because I, I would. But maybe at one point they introduced it, but it would have to be someone in the past few years. Yeah.
1: So you're talking about that. So we know about the Beni Israel and
0: India. Mm-hmm.
1: How much you know? How much contact did they
0: have with? Very little. Very little. Very little. Very, very little. Um, certainly not to the point that it would, it would cause like a change in customs. So yeah, I, 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 I feel fairly confident that they they wouldn't say it. Um, but I, I can't say it definitively. Yeah.
1: So why do Hasidim or basically all Musaf not say Kabbalah Shabbos
0: when it's Yom oh, Ashkenaz also. Oh okay. Yeah. So why not? Uh, why not? Uh, they're they're. Uh, the, mm, there is some. Seem to negate it. Uh, yeah, it doesn't negate it. What's the rationale? There is a reason that's given, and I'm blanking on it. We skip Shalom Aleichem as well. Uh, it seems like there's like it's like less need for more welcoming, like less like mindset be needed. Be some- yeah, I I don't I don't I don't have a clear answer, but it's it's a, some, something along the lines of like needing you know the whole idea of Kabbalah Shabbos is is trying to like get ourselves in the mood and like I don't know maybe it's like intense enough that we don't need that same type of welcome. I'm not sure exactly. I haven't. I, I remember looking at something seems up. Disparaging to Shabbos. Yeah. Or or your point is that like no, you don't need as much of a welcome because you're you're there. Meaning sometimes you know you need to work a little bit harder to to get there, and sometimes like it's just there. Yeah. Okay. Yes. I remember. When there was a holiday on Friday they wouldn't they would sing Shalom Aleichen, but very low tone huh fascinating fascinating okay okay fascinating okay let's, let's, uh, let's, let's just finish this, this, uh, this paragraph uh, paragraph eight, 8 so again Marash Alkavitz or have Shloma Alkavitz Tikein Apil hero Hiro L'Chadodi Hamasayim is Sofa and Chazal Boi Kala and again where did he get the last paragraph right the last words that we say at the end of the is Boi Kala where did he get it from he got it from the Gemara, right? If you look, any any good poets in Judaism, Jewish poets are always doing this, they're always taking ancient literature and incorporating it into their modern poem. You know, so a great example of this in, in today uh, is is uh, for for those like me, like Yishai Rebo, is like a genius at taking like old poems and incorporating like his like his famous song Halev uh, Shali, Halef Shali, Halef yeah, for sure, Shali, which was like his breakout song, which people are very aware of, what known is the last paragraph is is built upon a not so well known poem by the Ibn Ezra. He takes some poem by the Ibn Ezra and basically incorporates into a song and uses it as the catalyst for the song. So again, it's something which was always done. So the Boi Kala, Boi Kala. So the whole song is new. But the but the last words come from this Gemara. Again, and even many of the verses that he uses there are riffs on different Psukim and Yeshaya, which speak about Mashiach. Uh, he's basically throughout the entire song, he's incorporating ancient literature, uh, whether Psukim or Gemaras as a way of building up the song. But he gives it, it his own spin with his own rhymes, etc. But but it's it's really coming from it's coming from those earlier sources. Umizmare Okay, that explains Lechadodi. But what about the Tehillim that we say in Kabbalah Shabbos, right? Meaning what we're learning over here is that in the ancient times, they would just start, they would down mincha, and then they would do Marv. That was it. There was no Kabbalah Shav. The whole thing was gone. There was nothing there. So Shlomo al comes along and he institutes L'Chadodi. What about lechune uh, ranana, Meaning the, we, there's six, there's uh, six chapters of Tehillim that we say before we say lechadodi. Where does that come from? So he says That is not mentioned in the writings of the Arizal. ami rasam bisman It was written the generation after the Arizal. That's when they instituted saying these chapters of Tehillim, Um, and the custom, you know, spread throughout all of Israel, that we say all these different chapters of Tehillim in the beginning of, and we create something called Kabbalah Shabbos. Again, Kabbalah Shabbos didn't exist prior to the 16th century. It starts off as just Lechadodi, and then they add a little bit more, they add these chapters of Tehillim, Okay, and then we have this other thing called Kegavna. Uh, so if you are Nusach Svard, they say this Aramaic prayer called Kigavna. Okay, so basically there is this tefillah, which, if you're Nusach Svard, which was written at a much later, at an even later point, which is called Kegavna. Uh, but basically, you see that there is there is a, a this is a, such a unique tefillah, The Kabbalah Shabbos, it's all. New, it's modern, right? Again, it starts off the Chazodi, then they add the six chapters. Then further, there's another chapter of when, the one that we stand up for right before the Chazodi, uh, Mitzvah David, right? So that already has some allusion in the Gemara. The Gemara Maseches Shabbos writes, ha, "Hani Sheva de shabsa Keneged Mi." Uh, the seven blessings. If you look at the Shemona Esri of Shabbos, we say seven blessings. There are the three blessings, in the beginning, Magin Avram, Mechayim Esim, Hakel uh, Hakadosh. And then the six blessings at the end of Hatov Shemcha L'chano Modim, right? And then, uh, and then uh, sorry, Ritzei, Hamachtir Shkinas L'Tzion, and then the next blessing, and then the blessing of Shalom. And then there's one blessing in the middle, Mikhadesh Yisrael, uh, Mikadesh Shabbos, right? The, sorry, Mikadesh right? So there's seven blessings. Why do we say seven blessings on Shabbos? Amar Rav Ben Shaul, Keneged Shiva Kolos, Shamar David Al Hamayim. Corresponding to the seven, uh, corresponding to the seven voices, which are mentioned in the 29th chapter of Tehillim? What is the 29th chapter of Tehillim? Mitzmar LeDavid, Mitzmar le David, That we say Haval Hashem Bnei okay, uh, Elim, right? And we, there we say Kol Hashem Alamayim, Kol Hashem be Kavod, Kol Hashem Hadar, Kol Hashem Shovei Arazim. So in that chapter, we talk about God's voice seven times. Okay, so what's that all about? It mean so, I mean, sorry, there's
1: the, the only one. Is Al Mayim. What do you mean? Doesn't it say the seven voices which David mentioned.
0: In that chapter, so the word, it says the word "call." Hashem, kol, It breaks the cedar wood. Like it, it's, it's a, it used the word "call" voice in the 29th chapter. It talks about God's voice seven times. It uses the word "calls." <laughs> It, it, it starts uh, he's just referring to the, the fact that it starts with the first one so that's just the way of speaking that, that, that the voices of the water but it's, then it talks about so what's that all about so the commentators explain that that chapter of Tehillim was written um, in relationship to uh, when do we find God's voice really ringing out more so than any other moments in history Harsinah, giving of the Torah, it speaks about these kolos who it speaks about these, these loud voices, meaning it's, the, the Torah describes that when the Torah was given, there was like thunderous noise that took place. It was like a, a moment of deep trepidation. So David HaMelech writes this chapter, and corresponding to that, we have a tradition that what day did Matan Torah, the giving of the Torah, take place on Shabbos. So basically, there's this idea that we write the, that the that this chapter 29, which was written on Shabbos, which has seven uh, seven words called. So basically, we see already that that chapter is associated with Shabbos, and therefore, also, that chapter gets instituted into, Kabbal- into the Kabbalah Shabbos prayers, okay? Um, so I would just mention uh, – let's just see. Um, okay. Yeah, I would just mention – uh, does he mention – it just, just doesn't mention uh, – Okay. Yeah, uh, yeah, I don't know when that actually started. Uh, I have no idea. Um, but, uh, yeah, okay, we'll, we'll see another reason in a moment. So let's just see one more source. Okay, so far we've said, we saw Chadodi was instituted. Okay, that's instituted by Rav Shlomo Alkabit's 16th century. Next generation institutes the chapters of Tehillim that are said. We still haven't seen a reason why those cha- chapters of Tehillim are said. Uh, we see one chapter we know is because it refers to Shabbos. Now there's another tefillah which is said after Khadodi, and that is Mizmarshil Yom HaShabbos. That one's the easiest to understand. So says uh, Levush in source 10... After the Chadodi, we say Mizmor Shliyam Shabbos. Shugamken hadel Hashem isparal chasadim. It is a uh, gratitude to God for all the kindness. We praise God for the kindness in that chapter. The Achra of Mizmor Hashem Malach Hashem Mizmor Hashem Malach Gegeos Shusamach and the the last that chapter of Hashem Malach which we say at the end of um, then Kabbalah Shabbos the commentators understand it's a reference to the entering of Shabbos. So basically, at the end of those, so. What he's trying to explain is where these different fields come in and why we say them on Shabbos. So after the Chazod, we say this prayer called Mizbor Shiliyam Shabbos. That one's pretty obvious. Basically, we're reflecting on the week and we say, God, Tov Lehodos is it's good to praise God. Lahage, Avoker Chastecha. We thank God, right? When we stop on Shabbos, anytime we stop, we say, Oh, wow. Thank you, right? As long as we're going, it's hard to pause. It's hard to appreciate. We stop on Shabbos, we say thank you. The next, Tfil Hashem Malach refers to God kind of adorning himself. That the commentators understand that when God, so to speak, entered into Shabbos, he adorned himself, whatever exactly that means, and that's why we say that next prayer of Hashem Malach Yuslavesh. Okay? He's just explaining the development of Kabbalah Shabbos. Um, if you look at uh, source, 11, uh, source 11 on page 198, so let's go a little further. Okay. Isha um, Yisrael, this is from a more modern book. After, after Mincha, the custom is to say the six chapters starting with Lachuner Anena. The reason we do so, and here I think this is the most compelling reason, and the reason that most agree is that those chapters that that we do at Kabbalah Shabbos, they all they're all messianic. They're all about, right, look, I mean, the first one is the one that's not as much, but it kind of introduces the other ones. But all the other ones are referring to a time when we'll have this great song and all the nations will join in and the trees that will join in. Like, there's this notion of something beyond our reality. It refers to the Messianic era. And Shabbos is oftentimes referred to as a hint, like kind of like a a foreshadowing of the Messianic era. And therefore, all those chapters we read at the beginning of Kabbalah Shabbos, they're referenced to... Uh, they are reference to Shabbos. VaMizmor Hashishi, the sixth chapter, Mizmor LeDavid Yeshbo Shiva Kolos. It has seven kolos. It says the word kol seven times. Keneged Sheva Brachos to Shabbis. Shabbos, corresponding to the seven blessings that are said on Shabbos. Um, okay. ViYeshnogim Shudach Omid B'Makom Abima Beis Miras, Mizmarim Elu. The custom is for the Chazan to stand at the bima when saying these uh, tfilos. Now it's interesting. In some shul, our shul, we only have. One place where the chazan davins. Many shuls have two. Even in this room, we have two. We have the bima where the Torah is read, and we have where the amud we'll call it where the chazan davins. Now, since this is a later edition, in many shuls like like this, when we when, when many shuls that uh, you have two places in many shuls, what will happen is that since it's a later edition, we want to show that it's not part of the like structured part of the davening. So most shuls, the chazan will daven kabbalah Shabbos from the non-davening part. They'll daven Kabbalah Shabbos from there, from the center bima, and then after Kabbalah Shabbos, they'll go to the Amud. Okay? The reason for that is based on everything we just learned. The reason for that is it's not really part of the davening. It's a new addition. And to show that it's a new addition, we daven in a different place. Again, if you're in our main shul, we only have one place to daven, and therefore there's nowhere to move from. Uh, But that's the reason behind behind doing so. Okay? So if you ever see it, that's the, the rationale behind it. Um... Okay. Yeah, most shows, most shows that do that. If you look at most shows, that's what they're doing. Yeah. Okay. You never there for it. Okay. Fine. That's good. I just found out that there's a pit in the Yes, the goodah. Yes, the ha- The Guda has the goodah. So this, it's actually the Shulchan Aruch. The Shulchan Aruch says uh, that you're supposed to daven. We say we say uh, that we mima makim Hashem. We call it to God from the low, and therefore they in, in the good If you ever look in the goodah of. of Park Heights, they actually built into the ground a little lower place where the chazan stands. A couple of shoals in Israel, you'll see this. It's very rare, um, but uh, it comes from this idea that it's supposed to be from a low place. Yeah. I
1: always find it ironic when I'm on a balcony. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's for you to be so high. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Okay. He writes the Avudraham, which is one of the sources that speak about the different customs. Machzor Vitri is the one who speaks about the customs in Ashkenaz. They don't mention saying these six chapters. Okay. Okay. So many people certainly until the Arizal comes along, many people would just say one chapter, the chapter that we say right before L'chadodi, and other sources that says to yes, say this. Bottom line, he's pointing out there are different customs. Now it seems like it's pretty universal to say the full Kabbalah Shabbos, but certainly, historically, many people didn't, right? very interesting reason. He says a new suggestion as to why we say these six chapters. Back in the day, if you look in the Gemara, they would blow the shofar, they would blow a horn, a trumpet actually, six times before Shabbos as a way of telling people Shabbos is coming. Get ready. Okay, so they do one early at the first 1B, time to close your shops up. Next 1B, okay, we're getting close. Whatever, basically six times they would blow the horn in communities as a way of getting them ready for Shabbos. Still in Yerushalayim, they have in Israel, in certain communities, in Yerushalayim, not everywhere in Israel, but in certain places in Israel, there will be a siren that goes off. In some places, in Me'ash it's like music goes on, um, you know, but basically as a way of reminding people to do so. Now, in certain communities, he writes, They were at one point forced to stop blowing. In certain communities, they say, they, you know, you're making noise, right? It's one thing for, you know, basically, again, we were the oppressed minority, and in many communities, uh, we were it was prohibited. We were no longer allowed to do so. So therefore, asu zecher lomar shishem ismarim. So he writes, that's where these six chapters come from. It comes as a reminder of these, you know, uh, these 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 trumpet blowings that were meant to get people ready for Shabbos. We were no longer able to blow the shofar because they said, "What are you making noise? You're, you're you're disrupting the peace and they were they were causing us problems." Therefore, we said, "Okay, we want to remind ourselves of this idea of preparing for Shabbos through the tkios," and therefore they would uh, they would at the very least go ahead and uh, you know and 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 blow the shofar. Uh, sorry, and say these mizmarim, these six mizmarim, these six. Philos, corresponding to the blowing of the shofar. Yes, Elaine. Um, I know now, since the war, some of the communities aren't doing the siren. Aren't doing the siren. Makes sense. It's too, and yeah.
1: also the ambulances, they've changed their sounds. Interesting. The ambulance's sounds were too similar.
0: Too similar. Fascinating. To the silence, so the Interesting. 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 Okay. This is an example of that where you make shifts because of what's, what's going on. Okay. One more. Halakha, page 199, verse 12. Shulchan Aruch writes, Nohagin Lomar Perak Bame Malikin. Okay. That there is a custom to say the chapter of Bame Malikin. Bame Malikin is the second chapter in uh, Mesecha Shabbos. And it talks about all the laws of candlelighting. Okay, so in in Mosheels, uh they'll they'll dive in uh, Kabbalah Shabbos. They'll say L'chunah, all those six chapters, and then they'll say um, they'll say Lachadodi, and then they'll say in Mosheles on Shabbos and they'll say, and then they'll say the chapter Bema Fine, Um fine, R'maso B'yamtiv Shecholios Bar of Shabbos. There are those who don't say this whenever Yamtav falls out on Friday. Yeshenom R'maso B'shabbos There are also those who don't say it on Shabbos of Hanukkah. Okay, that's not so much Arminag. Uh Ve'Ein Noagin Kane Mechanecha B'shabbos Shalchalamod Ein R'maso. Okay, so on Shabbos Chalamad, we also don't say so. So so too, um, um, they don't say this chapter when Yamtav falls out on Shabbos. Okay, bottom line is that on a normal Shabbos, we say this extra chapter of Bam and Malikin. I would just mention, you know, there's a custom that we're all aware of that when we get to the end of the Chadodi, what do we do? We turn around, right? We turn around. So, if you look at the earliest sources, the 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 mikubalim, the kabbalists, when they instituted kabbalah Shabbos, what did they do? They would actually go into the fields. They would go into the fields to welcome Shabbos, and they would spend their time out there in the in the fields of Tzvat uh, accepting Shabbos, and that's and that's what would happen. So they wouldn't. It wasn't just like they turn around. They would actually go out into the fields to properly accept Shabbos. Um, the custom in many places for many years was they would actually leave the shul. For, for, for the last chapter of, of, of uh you see some earlier sources talking about the fact they came to communities and they weren't doing lechadodi properly. And they would either go, they'd have balconies or something like that, and they'd really leave the shul to go say the last chapter as a way of really you know it's 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 meant to be experiential it's meant to be like really like it's not just saying some words you really want to go greet the kala you know you really want to go greet Shabbos and do something of course as we know i don't i don't see that happening very often but the the minog now is just that so we turn around but that's a remnant of the original custom which was either to go all the way to the fields or at the very least which most communities had was to leave the show or to go onto the balcony like either leave the doors of the show or to go on the balcony but for whatever reason that kind of stopped and now what's left is we just turn around at the end of the chadodi and we just welcome shabbos okay um so today's class i guess most of us a lot of it is about davening and shol um we'll, we'll we'll probably skip uh the focus on mariv for the same reason uh we'll, we'll be doing a little skipping around uh, about the, the tefillos. okay we'll, we'll we'll pick up next week but we'll be doing a little jumping around uh, some questions yes